Hey everyone, it's Chris here off Philosophiraga, the podcast that you're listening to right now, uh, hopefully on purpose. Before this episode starts, I just wanted to say a couple of things about what it is. Um, it's currently the 19th of March, it's a Thursday. Um, most of the episode was recorded and written a week to two weeks ago. In the last couple of weeks, things have got a little bit weird in the world, and um, like me, some of you are probably finding it pretty hard to deal with. This episode came about because I was having some trouble um, coming up with the script for what I was intending to be the next episode, so I thought I would do something topical, easier to write about uh, instead. So what I did was I wrote an episode about the Corrupted Blood Incident in World of Warcraft, which was basically a virtual plague um, that didn't go all that well. Now, there is, I suppose, a moral in the episode, and it's not that we should be all terrified and that things are going to go horrible and that everything sucks um but that's not to say that it isn't possible that this could be a difficult thing for some people to listen to at the moment anyway so i just wanted to kind of give you a heads up so that you can make a decision not to listen to this episode if you think that's the best thing for you right now but that said i still think that the message is not a scary one i hope i'm clear enough during the episode um about the message that i'm trying to get across and that that is not one of uh, fear and terror and panic basically so with all that said here is the episode um and i do hope that you enjoy it thank you how do friends you're listening to philosophy raga the video games and philosophy podcast presented by the well-read mage and the little fella media podcast network sponsored by buzzsprout I would very much like you to know, and I'm like not under contract that I have to say this or anything like that, but I, I just genuinely want to tell you, if you are a fan of Philosophy Raga, then odds are you would really rather enjoy the other shows in the Little Fella Media Network. There's Magecast, SideQuests, and now the new Dialogue Tree and Story Mode shows too. Each of them focuses on a different part of hashtag gamer life, games culture, from a different angle, so odds are at least one of them should be up your street. I'll be playing short ads for one or two of these at a time after the credits in each episode of Philosophy Raga from now on, so do stick around to find out more about these things so that your ears can enjoy them. With that, let's talk about games and philosophy, shall we? It's episode two of our second module, Epistemology, which is all about knowledge. Now the thing- Oh. Hang on a sec, that, that's me. Uh... Uh-huh. No, it's ep- epistemology. Epistemology. Uh. Yep, no, see you later. Bye. So, folks, uh, I've just been informed that the writer was having a bit of a hard time with the episode that I thought we'd be doing today, which was about Dark Souls and rationalism to continue our epistemology module, and has instead decided to do an episode on epidemiology. Not topical at all, you know, not relevant to anything going on in the world right now, just something they thought would be interesting. <sighs> Please direct all your complaints to philosophyraga at gmail.com for the attention of the writer. Anyway, despite this weird setback, we'll press on with the learning because we're cool like that. And in a slight tweak to the usual format, I'm going to kick this one off by telling you a story. Before I do, though, I want to make two things clear. One is that this story doesn't necessarily have the best ending, and that might not be the ideal thing for you to listen to right now if you're feeling pretty stressed in general. The other thing, though, is that while there are things I hope you might take away from this story, and I'll explain more about what those are afterwards, one of those things is not that the way this story goes is how I think real life is going to go. Bear that in mind. In September of 2005, 
World of Warcraft version 1.7.0 introduced a new raid dungeon called Zul'Gurub. At the end of that dungeon was a boss, a giant winged snake god thing named Hakkar the Soul Flayer. And in the battle with that boss, something could happen. It was a fairly standard something, really. A debuff. A source of poison effect that would knock players' health down pretty rapidly over time until they… expired. There's nothing exactly odd about that, poison status effects have been a thing in games, like, forever. This poison was unusual, though, because it was transferable. Just standing near a player who was afflicted could spread the effect to others. Now, I have to admit, because I'm not a WoW player myself, I'm a little bit unclear on the finer details here. Either Hakkar could inflict this poison effect known as Corrupted Blood on players, or players were deliberately taking Corrupted Blood on themselves for the purpose of tricking Hakkar into catching it when he tried to drain their blood and siphon health from them, thus poisoning the boss and killing him more effectively. The reports I've found seem to disagree a little bit on exactly what went down in Zul'Gurub, but what's for sure is that people who went to face Hakkar sustained the Corrupted Blood effect in the course of fighting him. Now, what you would expect to happen is that the devastating effects of Corrupted Blood would be a problem for players during their battle against Hakkar the Soul Flayer. They'd find themselves quickly losing health, so they'd have to use all of their skills and strategies to keep themselves alive while taking the boss down. Then one of two things would happen, either they'd fail, losing their health and ending the battle defeated, or they would successfully manage to destroy Hakkar before he could do the same to them. They would either respawn back in the world outside Zul'Gurub after their deaths, or they would leave the dungeon free and victorious. Either way, you would think that the time of Corrupted Blood would be over, that it would be contained to this one fight in this one dungeon. It'd wear off when players died, allowing them to respawn uncorrupted, or it'd stop affecting them once Hakkar was dead and they could leave Zul'Gurub in glorious victory. And this was… mostly the case. Higher level players survived it and it wore off in time. Lower level players succumbed to it and came back to life later without it. But as it turned out, those weren't the only possible outcomes. See, the creators of the Corrupted Blood effect had forgotten to account for one thing. Pets. Certain classes in World of Warcraft are capable of acquiring pets or familiars or something. Animals which could help them in battle is the point. Anyway, those pets could catch the Corrupted Blood too. A natural reaction from players whose pets caught Corrupted Blood was simply to temporarily dismiss them, removing them from the fight so that the poison wouldn't kill them, and that made sense. It was a reasonable thing to do. So was bringing them back out into the world after leaving Zul'Gurub. Unfortunately, the pets who had been afflicted in the dungeon, then dismissed while still infected and brought back out again in the open world, still had the effect. And because it was transferable to others nearby, a lot of people suddenly started catching corrupted blood. It was never supposed to be out in the world, affecting people who were just going about their business doing whatever World of Warcraft players do in the world of Warcraft. I mean, making dance videos if my brief dalliance with Guild Wars is anything to go by. Anyway, it wasn't very long at all before the streets were quite literally lined with the skeletons of lower-leveled players who couldn't survive unexpectedly catching a debuff that caused them to, you know, spout blood. Players fled from populated areas, trying to escape to less densely packed places where they'd be safe from corrupted blood, but, well, there were some further complications. For one thing, NPCs could get it. It wouldn't actually affect them as such, they were non-player characters, so they didn't take the damage that the condition caused, but they could still carry the effect so that any player who went near them could catch it. 
For another thing, nefarious players who saw an opportunity to amuse themselves by causing chaos started deliberately infecting themselves and teleporting all over the place, spreading the effect far and wide. It wasn't all doom and gloom, though. Players who could heal started volunteering their services to keep others alive, even though it wouldn't directly benefit them. Unfortunately, the good efforts of players to establish safe places, adhere to quarantines and help others were stymied by deliberate infectors, not to mention players who messed with voluntary flagging systems intended to help people identify who was infected and who wasn't so that the ailment could be contained. In the end, the incident was resolved by restarting the world. Blizzard basically switched off the universe for a little bit and wound it back to how things had been before any blood had been corrupted. Hakkar's domain in Zul'Gurub was fixed so that corrupted blood could no longer affect pets, and simply couldn't exist anymore outside of that one specific place. Why am I telling you all this? Why the heck with what's going on today would I tell you a story about a virtual plague that decimated servers affected around 4 million players and was only able to be stopped by literally turning back time? Well, firstly, I think it's interesting. I do. I also think that we can learn stuff about real life from video games, and I also also think that it's important sometimes to recognise where we might be doing what humans are very good at, and making comparisons that don't quite track. My expectation, by the way, is that I'm recording this probably a good week or two before the episode actually releases, so I don't know what the state of the world will be like in the future. I hope that as many people as possible are doing as well as possible. Anyway, I've seen a few other people pointing to the Corrupted Blood incident and suggesting that there are some parallels with what happened in World of Warcraft and what's happening in the world now. It's true that real-world epidemiologists have studied the outbreak as a potential analogue for real-world disease control, especially given the bizarre specificity of how it spread through vectors including asymptomatic carriers, NPCs that is, and how it was repurposed by some players for something approaching terrorist acts of biological warfare. It was also considered something of a behavioural study, what with a small minority of people acting in bad faith just to make things worse, and really just because they could, for those well-intentioned people who were trying to stay safe. If epistemology has taught me anything though, it's that a healthy dose of scepticism is usually a good thing. In Philosophiraga, we haven't yet covered either rationalism, which takes as its foundation the idea that nobody really knows anything for certain until they've doubted it all, or empiricism, which is constantly having to remind itself that we can never be sure that something will happen again the same way just because it did once. For one thing, there are no teleporting pets in the real world, so that's helpful. Plus we're not dealing with a curse cast by a blood god snake thing, which feels like a positive. On the other, less helpful hand, us humans don't respawn and our server can't just be restored to a previous version. Can we assume that real-world events are likely to play out the same way as in-game ones? No. But can we learn from in-game events? Sure. How does learning from a game work, anyway? We discussed in the last non-interview episode that it's kind of hard to get to a working definition of knowledge, but we're pretty sure that it involves believing something that is in fact true. The problematic component is how we provide evidence or justification for that belief. And whether a fictional event can provide sufficient justification for non-fictional knowledge is probably up for debate. On the one hand, we might look at a practice popular among early Catholic and Jesuit philosophers. Casuistry is an exercise designed to help with moral problems. It involves essentially working out the big picture, the important lessons, spotting themes and similarities to allow thinkers to work out when things are sufficiently similar or in the same category that they can sort of reuse conclusions and ideas already formed about one thing and apply them to the other. 
We do this all the time without really thinking about it, actually. We have shortcuts and heuristics that allow us to spot one event or idea or arguments and work out that we already know how to deal with it or respond to it because we've already got a solution in our toolbox from some other similar thing. If I spot a ham sandwich with butter and tomatoes in granary bread, I can probably infer that I enjoyed eating that other ham sandwich with butter and peppers in white bread and decide that I can do the same thing here. I'll eat the sandwich because I enjoyed the other sandwich. Casuistry is essentially about establishing to what extent rules and conclusions can be extrapolated from one thing to another, and what constitutes a sufficient similarity for it to be possible to make this sort of shortcut judgement. On the other hand, as I've touched on, humans are really good at overestimating how related things are. We create patterns out of things that aren't in fact causally related at all. One of my favourite logical fallacies, and yes, I'm aware that it might be considered a little bit odd that I have a favourite, is often called the post hoc fallacy. This comes from the Latin phrase post hoc ergo propter hoc, which means with this, therefore because of this, and it means that we sometimes have a habit of assuming things are causally related when they're not. Correlation doesn't always imply causation. For example, there's an alarmingly close link between the amount of revenue made by adverts in newspapers and the Rotten Tomatoes score of M. Night Shyamalan films in the same year, but this neither means that The Last Airbender caused ad sales to drop, nor that M. Night was so thrilled about the boom in the newspaper advertising industry that it caused him to make The Sixth Sense really good. I think it's important here to emphasise again that this is a story from which we might take something valuable or learn something, but it's only an analogy. When I was talking with Red, we talked about how thought experiments can be a useful way of framing something, making it interesting or relatable, but it'll always fall down on the specifics. You can only draw a broad conclusion from a broad analogy, and this is not an analogy with sufficient specificity to be able to infer anything about how things are in fact likely to go in the current real-world situation. I'll be talking a bit more about Plato's allegory of the cave in the next episode, and probably others in future too, but it's a famous image that you might be familiar with already. People watching shadows cast on the wall of their cave thinking that that's what reality is, when in fact it's just a sort of distorted side effect of things moving around in front of the flames behind them. On a similar note, and again I'll talk about this more in a future episode, our good friend Immanuel Kant thought that the world we experience isn't really the same as the world that there is. In the case of the real world, this distinction comes about because our senses interpret information about whatever it is that there really is, and turn it into something that we can understand and process. In World of Warcraft's case, a computer takes information about ones and zeros and turns that into something that we can see and interact with. The point here, again, is that we should be really careful about assuming that we can infer anything about one thing from another thing, and in fact working out where we can and can't do that is one of the big projects that philosophy has been undertaking for thousands of years and it's not likely to come to an end anytime soon. The next couple of episodes of Philosophiraga continuing our epistemology module will explore a little bit further some of the ideas about how we can best come to reliable knowledge and of course what reliable knowledge even means in the first place. These are huge topics throughout the history of philosophy but as ever I'll try and keep it as accessible and interesting as I can. What I think I want us to learn from the Corrupted Blood incident is that being deliberately malicious or deliberately ignorant are harmful things. Those players who got themselves afflicted either purposefully or by accident, and then went around spreading the effect to others around them, they did a lot of damage. That damage was, as it turned out, fixable, but in the real world, it might not be. I alluded to the fact that higher level players could survive corrupted blood for a time. The intended result of this was that they'd be able to stave off Hakkar and stay alive until they could defeat him, and the unintended side effect was that they could continue to run around and infect other, less hardy characters with it. 
They thought it would be fun to cause mayhem, or perhaps they just didn't realize that what posed no real threat to them could be fatal to others. Others who could die because of their certainty that, well, they'd be fine, so why don't we just all get in and then get on with things? I am neither an epidemiologist nor a behavioral scientist. I'm not even a philosopher, I'm a guy in a room, so don't take anything I say as gospel and definitely don't take it as medical advice. But I think that the story of the corrupted blood incident is an interesting one. And if you learn something from it, then I guess my hope is that it's to be considerate of those less fortunate than you. That's not me talking as someone who's here to educate about moral or epistemological theories, that's just me saying I think that's something we should all do. Do what you will with that information. Usually at the end of these episodes, I ask a question. Something that I want to put out there and see what people think about it. This time I don't know that I'm going to do that. If I have a question for you, it's not so much an abstract philosophical exercise like it usually is, and more about a practical consideration. What can you do to help others who might not be as fortunate as you? People who might be more susceptible to, well, to bad stuff happening. And I don't just mean the current situation, I mean all the time. Now, in the last episode when I had the well-read mage on, he said that he really liked this show because it wasn't preachy and it wasn't a soapbox. I hope that people won't think that me suggesting that perhaps we could all benefit from being considerate of others is preaching or standing on a soapbox. Um... But if that is how you feel about it, don't worry, we'll be back to business as usual in the next episode. Before the credits roll, and do listen to the credits, because I put an awful lot of effort into them and they're like super informative and stuff, I have a quick announcement. At the end of April, I will be launching my debut novel, Each Little Universe. It's Scott Pilgrim Meets Neverwhere, a story about a world mostly like ours but a bit weirder, in which a bunch of oddballs attempt to work out the meaning of life, mostly by talking rubbish about video games and philosophy. So, if you like this show, you might like that, and I'd be eternally grateful if you would keep an eye on my Twitter feed, at Overthinkery1, for updates about the release of each little universe. And now, the bit you've all been waiting for. Credits time! Thank you ever so enormously much for joining me for this episode of Philosophy Raga. It's the video games and philosophy podcast which is written, edited, and produced by me, Chris Durston, with invaluable help from consulting producer Moses Norton. All the music for the show is by me, and the show's logo is by Moses Norton with graphic design from Biowisdom Designs. The show is a part of the Little Fella Media Podcast Network sponsored by Buzzsprout, which is awesome and means that there are a whole bunch more shows in the world that you would love, so check them out. I'll be playing a couple of adverts for some of them in a minute. The Well-Read Mage's dream of a better future for gaming discussion and community is made possible only by your support, so please do give Philosopher Raga a like, follow, review, or share. I say that all the time really quickly, and I maybe skip over it a little bit, but that is very, very important. If you like the show, please let me know that you like it, and let other people know that you like it too. That would be unbelievable. Tag people you think would enjoy the show, yell about it in the streets, spread the word, I'll love you forever. And if you consider supporting us with a monthly pledge of any amount at patreon.com slash thewellreadmage, I will personally shrink down to a teeny tiny size, jump into your ear holes, travel through your body, and become a roaming warrior who helps your immune system fight off nasties. This particular flame might be turning to embers for now, but the fire of wisdom never dies. The Three Musketeers, The Three Bears, Three Strikes, You're Out. The number three is a very important number. That's why we have three hosts for Story Mode, the weekly video game podcast. 
Join Ryan, Red, and me, Blue, as we cover gaming news and gaming legacy. Whether we're the three wise men, or more like the three stooges, we're really not sure. But one thing's for certain, at the end of this three-ring circus, we'll still be the three amigos. Check out Story Mode on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, stranger. Buy me a drink and I'll tell you a secret. <sighs> Thank you. Now, about that secret. If it's video game and video game music discussion you're after, seek out the Little Fella Media Network at buzzsprout.com. Legend has it that there is a podcast there, hosted by a skeleton, known as the ABXY Mage, from thewellreadmage.com. Go, see for yourself. It's called Side Quests, and it's about video games and video game music. And if you are leaving now, take me with you. (laughs) 